Welcome to The Raise Podcast. I'm Carol Barwick. We're here to raise your confidence and inspire your creativity. Each episode, we will have a different guest who will be discussing our Raise Word. The Raise Word is a word that will encourage you or empower you and at times inspire you to explore the word a little more for yourself. Well, hello everybody. Welcome to the Raise podcast. I'm Carol Barwick and welcome to our special Christmas podcast episode. We've looked at lots of different Raise words over the last nine months or so. We've looked at connection, we've looked at creativity, we've looked at voice and today we're going to look at the word story and I've invited my friend who is a fantastic storyteller, Julie Wilkinson, to discuss all about it with us today. Good morning, Jules. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm all right. Thank you. Morning, Carol. It's nice to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, you're so welcome. I've wanted to do this for ages, so I'm really excited for it. Um, before we really get into um, who you are and what you do with your storytelling and all your other um, gifts, just let everybody know, um, what does the word story mean to you? So when, um, when I meet people, and they find out that I'm a storyteller as a job. And um, a lot of the time they assume that that means kind of reading storybooks to small children and that I spend most of my time with very young kids and that kind of, I guess, the, the unthinking assumption is that we grow out of stories. We grow out of story and storytelling. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes as adults, we kind of shrink that word story to something quite small. And I think it's great that kids love stories and storytelling, but but we, we just shrink it. And to me, it couldn't be more opposite than that. I think to me, story and storytelling is, is such a big word. It's so much the opposite of, of that small shrinking thing. Um, I think it's, it's kind of fundamental to what it means to be a human, that we, we share stories and the stories we tell to ourselves, to each other, um, whether they're true stories or um, made up stories or novels or films or songs or faith stories whatever stories we're telling I think um that's just at the heart of what it means to be a human being it's how we we kind of build our identity our understanding of who we are and who one another is and um, it's how we develop kind of our emotional literacy it builds empathy it builds community it builds connection um I think it's a, a kind of act of the imagination, isn't it, to connect with a story and to share stories with one another, whether that's talking to your neighbour about, um, you know, you might be sharing an anecdote about being stuck in a traffic jam or something completely ridiculous and made up like, um, oh, I don't know, maybe SpongeBob um, living in his pineapple under the sea. They're two completely different extremes, but we can connect because it's a feelings connection and that can connect kind of across barriers and across difference. Um, and story for me holds all of that stuff in it. Um, so yeah, it's quite a big word, but one of my favourites. Wow. I mean, that's amazing already. We could just stop the podcast episode there, really. Um, you have given us a smorgasbord of different ways of viewing stories already. And that is why I love you so much. Um, I think story is important. You were talking about connections and feelings. And it's about saying to people, I want to know who you are, how you are 
how you got to where you are. And I think story enables us to do that and enables us to view somebody in a, a new and different way. And although it's a cliche, it also makes me think of history and about how that is the stories of the past. Yeah, it definitely is. And I um, I remember I went to Orkney, the Orkney Islands, a couple of years ago, 2019, which is full of history. Um, and we went around some of the kind of archaeological sites from kind of thousands of years ago. So you're talking prehistory up there. And they were explaining to us how they'd uncovered the houses people used to live in. Um, and they were kind of showing you where they had their beds and they had like little spaces in the floor for keeping special things in or keeping food cold, almost like you know prehistoric fridges. Um, but the thing I remember most was that these prehistoric houses had um, hearths around the fireplace. So they had a central fireplace and then they had like a dresser and they, they said that in the dresser they would keep kind of special precious things. And it was such a, a strange experience. I wasn't expecting it, I guess, but it just felt such a connection across thousands of years because um, people then, just like now, lived in little family groups and they had their beds and they had their fireplaces that they gathered around and they had their dresses for their precious things, you know, much like we would live now just with central heating and kind of more advanced houses, I guess. But um, yeah, I just found myself really grateful for like archaeologists and how they can read the stories that are buried and share them with us. Um, but definitely, yeah. Yeah, I the, the whole idea of archaeology and it's almost kind of bringing things back to life, isn't it? A little bit. When you, it's so easy to kind of think, well, that's that's gone and so what what's that got to do with me but i think again story brings it back to life and that sounds like that's what happened to you what's your favorite story do you think oh my um i don't <laughs> think i have one favorite story i have i think what i have is stories that over the years i've kind of you know your favorite stories that you revisit and that i think they become kind of part of your identity and who you are um so I remember when I was very small, when I was kind of five, I had um, an edition of Heidi that um, it, it wasn't the original, it was retold in modern English, but it had, and it had loads of little black and white line drawings in it. And I used to make my mum read it to me at bedtime and she would read a chapter a night. And as soon as we finished, I would make her go back to the start and read it again and again and again. And I think for me, that story I loved because I identified with Heidi, who was a little girl like me, who she was just small, but she kind of made the world a better place around her. And that was quite inspiring to think, is this small child in this story who reminded me of myself, who could improve people's lives just by being a, a kind of good person, but she wasn't perfect. Um, and I think I've taken stories into my heart like that kind of throughout my life, I guess. So that one, I love Hermione from Harry Potter. Um, she's the girl in the library, but again, does that, um, you can buy mugs and t-shirts, can't you, that say, without Hermione, Harry would have died in book one, um, which I quite like. <laughs> I love Pride and Prejudice because I, I just, I think the kind of, the dialogue in it and the, the wit that's in it, um, when I first read that kind of spoke to me. So I think sometimes it's a case of stories colliding with the right time in your life um, to kind of align with, with something of who you are and who you want to be. And then they kind of, layer up as part of who you are and you revisit them and find new things in them maybe yeah um, yeah that, i think you're absolutely right about the, the times in your life and just going back to what you're saying about reading heidi 
and um, reading a chapter. Just those words are really, they just make me feel so nostalgic. The idea of being read a chapter. I wonder if we still do that with our children in the same way now. Certainly when they're little, I think we read, we read to them and, you know, good old Julia Donaldson and all the amazing stuff that she brings with her stories. Um, but the idea of, of reading chapter books and how exciting that is and the thrill of, oh, can we not have one more because we need to know what happens next. Um, I hope that's not lost. In your experience as a, as a storyteller, I'm working with children so much. Um, do you kind of hear about that at all? Do you ever talk to them about stories? Um, we don't talk much about whether parents read to them, but I do think we, I think as a culture, I, we expect our children to grow out of being read to and things much more quickly than we used to. Um, I know, I mean, I was, I don't know if she'll kill me for saying this, but I was still reading um, Harry Potter, chapters of Harry Potter to my eldest daughter, who's nearly 15. Um, when she was in the kind of upper end of primary school, we were just reading them together, but she didn't want her friends to know that we were doing that. Um, because, you know, that's not what you do at that age, you read to yourself. Um, but at the same time, it was, it was just such a, a kind of joyful experience because, she could read bits of it and we took it in turns to do the voices and um i think for me i was able to rediscover the stories afresh because i was reading them with someone else um but she doesn't really want me to read to her now which is quite sad i think it makes me sad but i think for her it's really interesting because i think with storytelling for a story to kind of work and do its its work in the person that's reading or listening to it i think it has to have authenticity um, and I guess because I am a storyteller, she has seen me do storytelling to other people, also to the public. And she knows there's a difference when I'm performing to when I'm her mom at home. So, you know, because when you're performing, you're kind of, it's just different, isn't it? The way you speak, the way you hold yourself. And she, I think for her, there's, it's really interesting because there's like this slight jarring of, it's not that it's inauthentic, but for her, that's, that's her, that's me at work. So that's work Julie, not mum Julie, which is really interesting because um, she, she sort of comments, you know, your voice is different and that's what you do when you're at work and I, I just want you to be my mum. Yeah, which is interesting. Interesting. Yeah, yeah it's interesting how um, our children view us in different ways, particularly when we become storytellers and we do the characters and the voices. Um and wanting that to kind of be authentic, but also knowing that you you do that as a job. And um, just thinking a bit about chapter books, it makes me think about audio books. And obviously, audio books have become such a big thing, um, as well as podcasts. It's all about being able to listen to things. I wonder, in your experience um, as a storyteller, how much are you coming across children listening to stories um, on audio rather than reading them for themselves? Yeah, and I think, I think for some people, I mean, I'm, I'm quite old fashioned and I like to be holding a book, you know, a physical object of a book. I don't, I don't even really do um, Kindle or anything or digital books. Um, and for me, that's important and I connect through the paper. But I think for some people, the paper and the words on the page like are a barrier because the, the sight of all those words on the page might overwhelm the brain or, and so for, 
but people like that can still connect with stories just as much and often better you know I might have a better connection to the the characters and the empathy um, and the feelings and be able to kind of understand it on a deeper level and I think audiobooks are great because they open up so much more to people who might struggle with with the physical act of reading the words on the page um, and that's really good because we've never I mean I've never had that when I was a child you know somebody struggled with reading or they had dyslexia or learning um, needed learning support it wasn't as easy to access the range of books and stories um, and that's great because you don't have to be brilliant at reading to kind of have the you know the brain capacity to understand and connect with quite complex stories um, so it's really good that that's that's so commonplace now um, I think I really love that um we're talking a lot about story obviously and you've talked um a little bit about yourself as a storyteller can you tell us a little bit more about kind of what being a storyteller kind of means to you and how you use it to um kind of uh, bring joy to other people yeah so i um i work as a storyteller for a small charity which is based in bradford um called the zephaniah trust and I've been there a very long time, I think it's um, 18 years now, 19, something like that. Um, and so originally, my colleague John Froud um, does school assemblies, so he does a lot of schools work, and he took me out with him. I was on a gap year at the time, and he took me into a school. Normally, he would take in a volunteer and they would take in a musical instrument and play his songs with him. But I couldn't play a musical instrument at the time. Um, so he said, well, you'll have to do the story then in this assembly. And I'd never done any storytelling or kind of public speaking before. I was the kind of child that got on their school report, like Julie needs to speak up more in class and share her ideas and that kind of thing. Um, but I went in and I did the story of, it was Zacchaeus, I think, that first one. Um, and at the end of it, he turned to me and he said, you're a storyteller. Because um, he just observed some, it was some magic. It was the magic of that sharing the story with the children between me and them. The connection had worked and he's always said he doesn't fully understand how it works when he watches me because a lot of storytellers that you see are quite big and physical and they do lots of different voices and shouting and all that kind of stuff and I'm not really because that's not who I am as a person so it's quite sort of contained and I guess traditional storytelling you know if you imagine hundreds of years ago people kind of traveling and sitting around a fire and just telling a story so I don't leap around and I'm not big and loud um but it just works the connection just works and i think for sto storytelling that connection is so important between the teller and the audience whether they're reading a story or hearing it it has to connect so it's it's definitely a two-way thing i can't be a storyteller on my own um but i work in schools and with communities and i guess for me um the stories that i tell tend to be through a kind of filter of um I'm drawn to things like kind of beauty and the brokenness and light in the darkness um, and that kind of thing. And I think whenever I'm telling stories, whether it's a Bible story or one I've written myself, I, I want to kind of pass on some hope and some joy. And I think stories are so good because you can be playful and you can laugh together and you can kind of, I mean, sometimes there's a lot of laughter when I'm telling stories because there are really funny bits, but then you can kind of, visit a kind of fundamental truth or a bit of shared humanity on the end and because it comes to laughter I think it's more meaningful and it kind of um 
embeds a little bit more strongly. Um, so that's, I guess that's what I do. I do storytelling that, yeah, brings hope and hopefully shines a bit of light in darkness, but also brings a lot of laughter and, and joy and fun. Yeah, I love that so much of what you just said, I love. So I love that um, the brilliant John Froud, we must shout him out and the Zephaniah Music Trust and all the amazing things that they do, um, you know, really called you out as a storyteller. I think that's so powerful. Um, and then the beauty of not not kind of allowing yourself to think, well, storytellers are big and brash and do voices and things like that um but allowing god to use you as you are and the way that you do tell stories is so beautiful there's such a simplicity to them and a a peace they bring peace when you read so i really now need to shut up and let you <laughs> tell us um a little bit of a story please I would love to. This is um, a story that I wrote that I think best sums up what I try and do through storytelling, I guess. Uh, just a tiny intro. Um, a few years ago, I found, about the, found out about the Japanese art of kintsugi, which is mending broken pots um, by sort of fixing them back together and they put gold lacquer in the cracks. So they make the brokenness a sort of feature of beauty of the pots. Um, and that inspired me to write this story. So it's called Kintsugi Tale. She stands in the entrance to the workshop, a paper-wrapped bundle in her hands. It is dark. A shadow moves in the far doorway, and then there is light. He stands there, the master craftsman. Can I help you? I was told maybe you could. With this? She places the bundle on the wooden surface, unwraps it. Shards of a teapot, glossy black glaze, delicate hand-painted orchids. He leans over to examine it. She looks around the room. Shelves full of mended and half-mended pots, broken pieces brought back together with gilded seams of gold. She gasps. He looks up. They're beautiful. It's Kintsugi, he says. The idea that broken fragments can be mended and turned of beauty. I can fix your teapot. You can wait if you like. He takes down bowls and brushes, bottles and tools, and lays them on the table. Begins to mix the lacquer. She steps into the studio, reaching up to trace a delicate golden vein on the surface of a deep blue cup. And he begins to speak. It's not only for pots, you know. Let me tell you about the world. It dawned with the dawning. The world was new, whole and unbroken. In the heavens, the creator had a crucible of gleaming molten gold, sacred, holy. And in everything that he made, in its heart, he placed a single drop of the golden liquid to carry into the world. He knew what was to come. 
and so it has been. But Kintsugi still surrounds us. It glows in our hearts and tiptoes out into our homes. It binds families together, perfectly underpinning our imperfect love. It trails from fingertips that cook and clean and tidy and fix. It fastens buttons, laces shoes, straightens collars. It imprints the fabric as hands fold clothes. It brushes hair, mops up spills, washes dishes. It tucks in the blankets as babies dream. Softly, it sings skittish senses to sleep. Kintsugi seeks itself in the heart of the other and it weaves the warp and the weft of friendship. Resolute on resolution, it rises with the clash of the discordant voice. Rigorous in restoration, it whispers the words of regret and reparation. Wherever there is mending, it is there. It flares from fire engines, forming footprints behind heroes who run toward danger. It whirls from police sirens and powers paramedics. It steadies the hands of surgeons. It heats soup in shelters, fills food bank shelves. It inhabits the hospice and hospital wards. It lingers with the lonely and grieves with the broken. It befriends, translates, advocates, donates. It throws its doors wide. It builds homes for the homeless and brings hope where there is none. It rises and tramples injustice. Kintsugi holds our children. It skips through our playgrounds and sits in our schools. It stays up past midnight while teachers are marking. Maker of community and fueler of commitment. Kintsugi seeks beauty in a world that is broken. It flies from the fingers of artists and writers and moves in the minds of musicians. It dances and twirls and runs and leaps. It is the teller of tales. Kintsugi is the helping hand and the listening ear, the extra mile and the being here. It is the heart that beats for the poor and alone. It is the waiting voice at the end of the phone. And when all is still and the tumult ceases, Kintsugi remains. It is written through creation, stamped on the world in a fine filigree of invisible golden threads. It sings from the peaks of mountains and wheels across the ocean. It gallops on the wind and it glistens with the dew. It glows with the sunrise and blazes at sundown. Dormant in the ground, it waits until barren times are over. We are Kintsugi, and Kintsugi is us. Here you are. She looks up. It feels like nearly minutes, but it could have been hours. He is holding her teapot. Glossy black glaze delicate hand-painted orchids, all held together with gilded seams of gold. 
I wonder what your story is. Isn't Julie brilliant? We love stories here at Rays and we'd love to know how our podcast is changing your life. Please share with us on social media, but more importantly, share the episode with your friends. You can listen to the Rays podcast on all your usual musical platforms, but if you leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, that would be fantastic. Thank you so much and have a wonderful Christmas. Thank you, Jules. That was so beautiful. The idea of gold running through everything, that kind of hope and seeing the beauty and brokenness is such an important theme at the moment. And I know just before we came on air, you talked about wanting the podcast episode to have that kind of seam of gold running through it too. So I hope we've delivered on that as well. You've talked a lot about being a storyteller. Um, I wonder how much has your own story informed what you're doing now? Do you think it has? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, um, my work is within a faith context and the sort of faith thread through my story has always been really important um, to me. I mean, I grew up in a family that um, took me to church and I kind of heard faith stories from a very young age. Um, and then alongside that, I guess, at, at school, I've always been interested in um, English was always my subject. That's what I studied at university. And I was always a writer and writing stories. Um, and I think for me, the, the themes in my faith story kind of weave in and out of the stories that I write, but also that's all informed by my life experience. Um, and I think kind of going back to the beauty and the brokenness, um, kind of like everybody, there are times in life when it's it's really difficult and there are some really dark times that we all, you know, we all experience darkness in our lives. And I think looking back now from where I am, um, you know, I remember as a child kind of losing close family members and experiencing bereavement. And then when I was 13, I had leukemia. Um, so, you know, I spent months on a cancer ward and saw sick children and young people around me, not all of whom survived. And then, um, you know, you grow up and there's more of life experience. And then um, uh, I'm an adopter, an adoptive parent. So um, I know lots of other adoptive and foster families with children who've had really tricky times in life. And I think um, for me, there, there, are, there are threads that run up through all those tricky times that stack them up, um, that connect my faith into it. And it's where it's where the hope is found, I think. And it's um, it's where there's just something so powerful, I think, in how people support each other in tricky times and the the power that we have as human beings through love and empathy to kind of support one another and heal one another and teach one another things. Um, and I think that informs everything that I do because I think that's um, the more I learn about it kind of empathy and love and the power that it has literally physically to kind of change your can change your brain it can change the the chemical the chemicals in your body send different hormones running around your body and the more yeah. I learn about that the more I think that for me that's that's the bit of God in us that we have that power to kind of affect one another in that positive way um, and I guess spreading that around is is what's woven into my storytelling now that I want I want to pass that on to other people through the stories that I tell and maybe inspire other people hopefully to um, 
to pass on a bit of that love and empathy and support and build those connections in that community um because it's just such a a beautiful and godly thing to do i think um yeah hmm. does that answer the question yeah <laughs> yeah it does yeah well it's difficult because when you're talking about our stories um they're vast aren't they vast and intertwined and there's so much of it and there's you know i'm sure somewhere there'll be some scientific fact about how much you can actually remember <laughs> of your whole life and the more we get older the more life there is and um, to remember what i what i hear and what i see in you and always have done is that i think you create hope so you know, I've always seen you as a creator, but that's how it feels. It feels like you're creating hope and then kind of putting it out there for other people to be able to pass on. I mean, and that's something we've not talked about yet in terms of story, is that passing on. And I said right at the beginning of this podcast that this is our Christmas episode. Um, and it's it's lovely to do a, a Christmas episode. And you know, if Christmas isn't about the passing on of one story um, over and over and over again, and the importance of that story, then you know, I don't, I don't know what is. Um, and obviously, it, with other faiths and other religions, it's the same. There are stories that are passed on and celebrated year after year. Um, but I know that um, in a few minutes, you're going to share um, a poem with us, which is very much about the the Christmas story. Um, what I love about the the Christmas story is the different characters and, and what they bring. Um, those people that know me quite well will know that I, I wrote a Christmas musical years and years ago, um, kind of based on a high school musical. And I loved being able to kind of update the characters a little bit and have cheerleading angels and things like that. But fundamentally, those characters in the Christmas story stay the same. I mean, they have to, don't they? Because one of the important and um, responsibilities of a storyteller is keeping the essence of a story that is well known the same. Because if you retold it in, in a way, you know, we decided to tell the Christmas story, but you weren't really didn't bother with Mary and Joseph, you know, we just Jesus came from somewhere else. That changes the story, doesn't it? And I think, um, when it comes to sharing stories, whether you're storytelling or whether you're doing it as creative writing, that responsibility to tell the story in an authentic way, as you were talking about earlier on, um, but a way that other people can kind of access, but also remember from kind of way back when is important. Does that make sense? Yeah, it definitely does. And I think I think that's one of the big challenges, particularly with um, with the faith storytelling that I do when I'm telling Bible stories, because um, I think we I don't I don't know whether it's the same in other faiths, but I think sometimes in kind of Christianity now we think we know the stories, and so we're always looking for you know what how can we make them relevant and how can we draw out what this teaches us about life today, and all of which is valuable, but I think sometimes it's good to go back and just spend time with the story um and so if i'm yeah if i'm telling like a bible story i always make sure that i i always have a bible with me while i'm writing it and i make sure it's got its anchors in the kind of text but it's about trying to find the little 
I, I think of them as the gaps in the stories. So the bits where there's space for you to get in as the storyteller and kind of sit there and look around you and look for things you can draw out that maybe haven't been noticed as much before, if that makes sense. Um, you can you keep the people in it and you keep the story the same, but it's finding um, finding something in it, a new angle or just a slightly different viewpoint that you might not have thought of before that you can use as the way in to kind of draw people in. And I find working in schools is really great for that because kids see things in the stories that I don't. So sometimes I've been into schools and done um, Christmas or Easter lessons with the children where we've spent some time with the story and then maybe they have a go at rewriting it. But we, we talk beforehand and we ask questions and they ask questions. And sometimes the things they say make me see it in a different way, um, which is exactly what I try to do with other people, I suppose. So it's, it's staying true to the story, but finding new windows onto it, I guess. And they're probably not new to everyone because, you know, the stories have been around a long time, but maybe windows that we haven't discovered for a while or um, questions we can ask about it, that it's OK if we don't know the answer, that kind of thing. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Um, I think that that's so important. The, the gaps. Um, I think maybe four or five podcasts ago, we did the word listen. And um, Jonathan Pagden and I were talking about the spaces in between the music. And that those are often the most exciting bits, because you hear new things. And uh, I think that's just what you've described as story and absolutely the, the way that children interpret what you say and put a new spin on things is always really exciting, isn't it? Because I think you said right at the top of the podcast about how a story, the whole nature of a story is to kind of expand and grow. And it, um, the, the picture I've got in my mind is, um, well, another one of those stories, the porridge pot where it just bubbles over and bubbles over and it kind of ends up filling the entire house. And I think story can be like that, can't it? It just grows and grows and people put their own take on it and tell it again. And it, it you know, it it's a, a kind of exponential thing, I think. And I love that. Um, we're pretty much at the end of our podcast for today, but I'm really looking forward to um, a poem that you're going to tell us about Christmas um, and kind of retelling that in a different way. So could you share that with us now, please? I will, yeah. So this is um, a few years ago, I wrote, well, over the years, I've written quite a few scripts for nativity plays in churches and things. Um, and a few years ago, I pulled them all together in a sort of little book. Um, so this is one of the poems from one of those scripts that ends the nativity play, kind of recapping the story. And I love this time of year and I love this story because it, um, I think the story of when Jesus is born is the kind of ultimate connection and empathy because when God comes as a human and then we hear the stories of Jesus as, as the human living on the earth, that's the ultimate kind of connection and empathy that we've been talking about. So this is my uh, poem that kind of tries to sum some of that up. What a night, what a night, when the heavens touched earth, though it passed many by, never seeing its worth. For God himself came, not in fire 
or glory. He came in a child, in a family, a story. The angels brought light, not to rulers or kings. Over shepherds and sheep, they unfolded their wings. And the truth of the child, fastened up in a star, took no note of borders, shone on strangers afar. For the message of Christ, wrapped in cloth, laid in hay, is one that calls out through the years to this day. It's a message of peace, encompassing all, of hope for the hopeless, of tearing down walls, of extraordinary love, restoration and light, shining steadfast and strong in the blackest of night. Though our world still is bruised and broken and torn, we all carry that light like the first light of dawn. May we follow his footsteps, shine strong where we can, spread the message of Christmas to every human. Well, that was beautiful. Thank you so much. Thank you for being um, on the podcast this morning um, and sharing with me in the podcast, but also sharing with me in life. It's been just a joy to see the different things that you write and create over the years and uh, the amazing work that you do through um, Zephaniah Music Trust. We'll put all those links to your uh, stories and um, the music project. We'll put all those in the show notes. And folks, as it's Christmas, if you want to support something this year and give a little more, please do consider giving to Zephaniah Music Trust. Um, it's an amazing uh, place to be and the way that they bring hope to children is so important. Um, we haven't done a, a challenge. We normally do a little challenge for the listeners. Don't worry, Jules, I'm not going to challenge you. Um, so, just so as people listening today, what is your story? You've all got a story. What is yours? Why don't you tell it to somebody else? Particularly over Christmas time, there's much more time to kind of kick back and, and have time with people. Don't be afraid to tell people a bit about your story, what's happened, who's been involved in it, who are the, the characters that have shaped who you are today story is so important and we talked all about connection and empathy and more than ever right now we need that connection and that empathy with each other jules thank you so much we come to the part of the podcast um where i write a poem i'm feeling quite um inferior because your poem was so beautiful <laughs> Oh, no, I'm really excited about this bit. That's what I'm here for. Um, but just give me a minute while I just have a, I think. A story is a way of sharing glory, of sharing hurt, of sharing pain, of sharing hope, the joy again. It weaves through eternity. No one knows what it looks like until it's there and then it's spoken, created. It may be something that seems dated and yet it's important because it's yours. 
No one's story is the same as yours. Speak out your story. Create hope. There you go. I love that. That was beautiful. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for having me on as well. It's been a really lovely way to spend a bit of time. And thank you. It's been and thank you for your friendship over the years and your creations, because that there's many times you have inspired me or sent stories and books my way that have um have kind of spurred me on to new things. So You're welcome, you. Jules. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful Christmas. Um, and thank you to everyone listening. I pray that you have a really peaceful and blessed Christmas, however you're spending it and whatever you're doing. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. A final thought from Seb. Thank you for listening to The Raise Podcast. We hope you feel raised and inspired by this episode. Whilst we're not offering face-to-face -face classes currently, we are doing online singing lessons where you can have your voice raised as well as your confidence. If you would like to find out more, please visit our website at www.raiseforall.com or find us on social media on either our Facebook or Instagram page. Take care.